Welcome to another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight, produced by Easy Jazz FM. In this edition, we feature Grammy-nominated jazz singer and composer Marilyn Scott. Scott talks to our guest host, John Armado, himself a jazz musician, about her new album, Landscape which she says is about finding peace in nature, especially important in today's chaotic world. Scott adds, we need to take nature seriously, and we're losing it. She believes many people today are discouraged and don't know what to do with their lives, but she insists the one thing that can give solace is nature. Here now is John Armado, in conversation with the very soulful and insightful Marilyn Scott. Hi, I'm John Armato with another Easy Jazz Spotlight for Easy Jazz FM. And today I'm sitting down with Grammy-nominated contemporary jazz vocalist and singer-songwriter Marilyn Scott. Marilyn has collaborated with legendary artists such as George Duke, Bob James, Brenda Russell, and Patrice Russian. She's a native of Southern California, but early on she made her way further north where she began performing in local clubs and fronted soul jazz bands around the San Francisco Bay Area. Among the many friends she made, Tower of Power. They gave her, her uh, an opportunity to do backing vocals with the Oakland bass band uh, in, in the studio, and those recording sessions led her back to Los Angeles as a studio session singer, where she performed with Spyro Gyra, the Yellow Jackets, Hiroshima, Bobby Caldwell, and others. Scott's first recording in 1977 Uh, as a solo artist, was a single, a version of Brian Wilson's God Only Knows. And that led to her first album, Dreams of Tomorrow. Now, with a dozen albums behind her, she's in her fifth decade of releasing music, and her newest release is called The Landscape. It defies easy categorization. That's a good thing for the artist and a tough thing for a guy like me, trying to help people new to Maryland get a feel for the project. For me, the the reverb and the Rhodes keyboard sounds and loose and energetic rhythm section rapidly brought to mind Light as a Feather and Flora Purim. But then I thought, no, her ability to tell a story about simply beautiful things makes me think of Michael Franks. But nah, that bent towards social commentary, that's more like Joni Mitchell. The good news for you is once you've listened to her music, and we will, you will simply come to know that sound as Marilyn Scott. So thanks for joining me today, Marilyn. Welcome to the interview. It's great, John, to be here. Thank you for uh for bringing this up and uh, and so we can discuss some stuff that is um, all about what I do. Well, I, I love it. It's it's fun. You were we were just commenting before we started rolling here uh, about how we both uh, as musicians, uh, it's a kick for us to get to talk about what we do as well as to get out there and play and perform. So glad we've got that chance. And I think the place I'd like to start, I alluded to in my introduction, you know, the, the, this range of influences and diversity of styles that you clearly embrace um fascinates me and you know and I, I went back in your catalog i checked out uh take me with you which i think was 1995 uh mm-hmm. release of yours and i thought well this had to have been really at home on the smooth jazz scene but then i listened to every time we say goodbye which is a release of yours from 2008 right. all these beautiful uh standards handled so nicely and now the landscape which is kind of a different vibe and, uh, and i'd love to hear how you've managed to cover so much ground and uh, what what led you to that flexibility? Well, I've always, you know, been. A, uh, I came from a a background of listening to to radio that played a lot of different 
types of music. You know, I, up in the Bay Area of San Francisco, you know, there was some great stations that played all kinds of music. And then we were in bands that would play, you know, four five sets a night of doing pop music, you know. And so um, I was around a lot and it, it was always R&B and jazz and blues for me. And uh, and I was around a lot of people that played that kind of music, Robin Ford and Tower Power and George Duke, people that were up there in the Bay Area. And uh, Russell Ferranti, for that matter, you oh, know, nice. one of the originators of the of the Yellow Jackets. So, you know, it, you know, I just but always wanted to I wanted to be a jazz singer, but I didn't, I always thought that, you know, you have to really walk the walk for a while. <laughs> you have to earn it. You know, it's not like being in a band like Ella was or Sarah, you know, but they were in these beautiful bands that orchestras, by the way, uh, with yeah. arrangements and things and sweetening that was just incredible. Well, we don't have that. So, you know, you have to, to come from another way. And so, uh, Eventually, I became a, a writer where I was writing for Chapel Music for a while. I started writing with Russell Ferranti for a long time. I have been writing with Russell Ferranti since maybe 79. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, it's just been a long, long road of of trying to figure out things. You know, when when I was coming up in the 80s and the early 90s, you know, they always said, you know, if you do this, kind of music you know you can write your ticket of where you want to go what you want to do and especially vocalists right so you know it was I was always led that way you know and you be you'll be able to do more so I think I started out kind of uh off the on the wrong foot in a way I mean I enjoy it and I don't regret it but I it's just uh I could see how I got from A to Z (laughs) but all along the way, I've met some incredible people. And uh, you mentioned um, Take Me With You. Yeah, that was when I went to Warner's and they really uh, they really were great with me and um, gave me some great opportunities. And uh, I got to work with Dory Kaimi and oh, yeah. Sample. Oh, yeah. And I worked with Terry Lynn and Patrice and, and, and the list goes on. Um, and that kind of always with the shape of what I wrote was about, you know, not to be too preachy or too commentary, but, but on the other hand, trying to tell a story, you, you can tell a story about love and, and we do. And I talk about what we all go through, but really there's some things about love that is about us in uh, society. And, and there's been, you mentioned Joni, Stevie Wonder is another one uh, that you know, they they give it to you in a way that is so incredibly music musical that you know that's to me that's really that's deep writing and good writing for for me and um, so I've always tried to do that. But in the well, middle, you, I'll, you, I'll do standards, you know, and then I'll do like Innocent of Nothing, which is sort of out there, and then I'll go back and do nightcap with george and then i'll go back and do you know uh some crazy stuff so it's- yeah well you you know you mentioned a lot of people that i want to come back to and talk about um in a second but i'm thinking about all that range you're talking about uh both in performance and in writing but you know if you're doing 
five sets a night on a long gig, if you're working frequently, if you're jumping from blues to jazz and pop uh, and live to studio, that's hard on your instrument. Uh, and, you know, and it's and not everyone uh, you know is able to do that uh, and 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 sound good over the long haul. Were you trained? classically academically you know how how was it you were able to cultivate your voice to be able to do all of that you know my mother she sang uh operatic and played classical music but she died when i was like 12 so oh, wow. you know um it, it, you know i've been around a, a lot of singers that we all trade what to do and how to do it and yeah i got hoarse a lot um <laughs> And I learned and I was I've been with some great arrangers and things like that that told me, you know, how to breathe better, how to how, how to tell a story uh, by where you put your breath uh, to make it a conversation. And I, 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 I've just been lucky with a lot of people that are singers and we've talked about it. And so that's. That's my upbringing. Yeah. Well, you you anticipated one of the things I wanted to ask you about with with this incredible range of A-list artists and, and uh, producers and players that you've been working with. I'm curious what recollections you have uh, over over different projects, over different years, over different settings. You know, what sticks out to you as lessons learned or just great moments on the stand, bandstand or in the studio? You know, I... I've been with a lot of people and I, you know, um, I, I have to say be, being friends with Etta James really uh, was such a great influence. And how did you come to know Etta? And, well, I, I, I went to a session uh, of hers. A, a friend of mine was working for the label that she was on and said, Etta's at a, the studio, Cherokee, and go, you want to go? And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I got to meet her and she was, they were doing background vocals. And um, I did, I was a background singer for a lot of background vocals for a lot of artists for many years. So I knew a lot of the people and I met her. And so uh, when she played again, then I'd go and, and it, go backstage and hang out and talk to her and then she asked if I wanted to open for her a couple of times when we were playing um in the in Venice and um so I did that a few times I had a horn band that was a blues band we did uh, uh all kinds of blues songs and uh and her always her advice to me was now go on out there and bite a hole in it, you know. She had these and great, what was the line and do she what? Had, she always had these great expressions, you know. And one of them was, "Get out there now and go bite a hole in it." Right? <laughs> what a great so, phrase! I love it. You know, and, and she and she introduced me to Betty Carter because wow. I, okay. I played Tell You Right Jazz Festival and she was there, and I went over to see her, and and I said, "Do you, you know?" Betty Carter's about to go on, you know, and I said, I'm going to go over there. You want to come? And she goes, sure. Yeah, let's go. She said, I, I know Betty. So we, we walk over there. This is another great story. It's crazy. And uh, we walk over there and Betty's doing the set and uh, Betty finishes the set. So we, the, 
backstage where the artists are is right up behind the stage. So we walk over there <clears throat> and she walks in the door and Betty goes, Anna, girl, you know, and, and Anna says, what are you doing? And they get in there and they start hugging and talking. And, and Betty goes, who's this person behind you? Yes. Oh, that's Marilyn Scott. She's taken all my licks. Now she wants yours. <laughs> I was just like, nice to meet you. Slowly <laughs> walked out the door. It's just, wow. But gosh, such great energy. Yeah. I mean, you know, those things. Does anything stand out uh, as having been life-changing? Maybe is a little bit of extreme, but pivotal. Or are there are there moments in those experiences, these incredible experiences you're describing, where you fundamentally change course or approach music differently as a result, or something clicked in you as a result of these interactions? Well, if it didn't, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be writing about the things you write about. You know, there are things that always are going to happen in your life that are going to knock you down and, or you're going to fall in love or something that is going to propel you to, to write something that's, that's deep and from the, and from the heart. And usually when you do that, it's going to be, it's going to be relatable to everybody around you. You know, you're writing about a deep experience. You know, it strikes me that the the folks you're referring to so far, Etta James, Betty Carter, those sorts of folks, when you listen to them, you can almost palpably feel their pain. I mean, their their oh, yeah. their work was so authentic. And um, now, in your own writing, let's let's bring it up to up to date with the landscape. One of the tunes that really caught my ear is is irreplaceable, and the, and the it's got the simple, profound line and message: "We're responsible for the irreplaceable." Mm-hmm. And there's that great video you did with it that juxtaposes all this beauty and decay in a very sort of compelling yet distressing way and i think you did that in the in the palm springs desert right Uh, i did yeah Uh uh-huh it's easy for me to sort of imagine you actually going out for a walk one day or whatever and simply being inspired directly by the experience to write it i have no idea what prompted that song but tell us where that came from you're talking about you can't live these moments without it coming through in your writing what prompted irreplaceable well, the the project, uh, the landscape is all the songs are about uh, finding peace in nature, and and that we have to take care of it in order to have that one thing that's free and accessible to us that can that can help us with our lives. You know, you can't buy it. You know, it's it's there, and we have to take care of it. We're responsible. We're the we're supposed to be the smartest species. <laughs> so we're the host now, and we're the ones. To uh, to oversee that it's uh, maintained and in beautiful, uh, pristine shape as it as it is, and so that was um, one of the messages I wanted to talk about was that you know we're we're responsible for the irreplaceable, yeah, and uh, it's a beautiful line. So <laughs> it's so everything is precious. Mm-hmm. We we have to see that. That has to become paramount in our lives, uh, just as it would be the upbringing of our children. You know, we have to take that serious and very special, and we're losing it. So, the the projects about that, and you know, uh, the landscape song is about you know people who are discouraged and uh, and and don't know what to do in their lives, and but the one place that they could get solace is 
in nature. Well, let's use that as a good segue. Um, we're going to drop in uh, the title cut from the album here so everybody can listen to it. So let's check out the title cut and then talk a little bit about it. Here is Marilyn Scott uh, with the tune The Landscape from her new album by the same name. of the town and she was sad and down she held out her hand to catch the snowflake she said it freed her soul and began to walk the trail alone then disappeared into the landscape he said fishing opened his mind when he's in nature there's no divide no resentment of others with disdain A lost opportunity he'll never regain And he smiled as if he let go And redeemed in nature what life had stole The landscape is more than trees and views It's what we say and what we do It's what we are today Never forsaking this frontier So this beautiful view won't disappear Mountain tops that snare the clouds Peacefulness in our backyards This is what we find in the landscape Let this wilderness be your church This heaven holds your rebirth When we disappear into the landscape Thank you. 
That was The Landscape by Marilyn Scott from the album by the same name. Um, we were talking about this passion you have for this message. I like your line, you know, we are the host. And this is the one thing that's genuinely free to us, our, our ability to interact with nature. Uh, is it fair to say that the landscape has sort of always been your personal refuge? Have you always felt this this connection to nature? Well, you know, I... I've written a, a lot of things about our lives, you know, uh, with Russell Ferranti, I wrote, you know, um, uh, Love Understands, which is about homeless people. I We wrote um, No Room for Hate, which is about, uh, you know, not not accepting hate in your home, not not letting it in. You know, if you if you're going to go there, you have that. Please don't bring it to where I live, you know. Right. So, you know, these these messages, these things are are a landscape and it's and we have to we have to be aware of it. And, and what are we going to do about it? You know, so, yeah, I do do it. But I I try to not be this album is probably the, the one that talks about it all the way through, you know, um, and before I, I've dotted it in with some standards or maybe somebody else's tune or right. something like that. But um, I haven't really done it like this, this way, this time, maybe COVID made me do it because we were all kind of sequestered at home and it brought in a different uh, way of looking at things. We were all looking at life a little differently. And it, it gave us all a lot of time to think, Oh yeah. You know, now uh, less people think that it's the album is a downer. I think there's these incredibly uplifting um uh messages on the album as well the, the flip side of the emotion of the landscape for me is the tune sun um yeah. uh, which also uh from the new album uh and where irreplaceable seems sort of rooted in anxiety and distress sun seems to be this pure appreciation yeah. just this celebration of simply feeling good in the world um and I, i'm i'm curious you know what what was going through your mind as you were sort of juxtaposing these sort of dark and stressful realizations with these appreciations, as I call them. Sure. Um, and the sun is, is about a place in Brazil called Bucios that we, I was there with some friends and Renato Neto, who is a great keyboardist and that lives in um, Sao Paulo. And, um, you know, I, I just was amazed at people from everywhere, just all together. Everybody was fantastic. There was no classes, you know, the mm -hmm. rich and the poor type deal. Everybody was together. Music was blaring with Jovan, you know. Um, they would have these little tables that they sat in the ocean and, and they had drinks delivered and beer <laughs> and these little things and uh, you know, people were dancing, uh, and it was just like that all, all day. And at night, you know, it was walking around the streets and you hear music, you know, it was truly 
uh, like a little paradise. Oh, sounds like it. That's yeah. amazing. Well, well, you know, we've been talking about the vibe and the messages, but I want to get to the the musical side of this uh, yeah. a little bit too. Uh, back on the landscape, the tune, there's a really swinging instrumental interlude in there uh, that I, I just love. Uh, piano solo, rhythm section section. Um, and I found myself thinking, you know, not only is your voice charming, but man, she hires great sidemen too. <laughs> I was just oh, like... Yeah. Wow, the personnel was. I'd love to hear about who's on the album and and uh, your take on their playing. For real, uh, the um, same, some of the same guys. You know, I can't. I cannot seem to do a project without uh, Michael Landau and mm. and Jimmy Haslip and Russell Ferranti and uh, Gary Novak. We had Vinnie Caliuta play. We had oh, wonderful. Uh, Jimmy Branley played. Um, Steve Kahn played guitar on the sun. Just your everyday up and comers, right? <laughs> you know, it was just, it's great. You know, when you ask, you know, you don't know if what you don't know, they might say no. So, you know, you got to ask. I think exactly. it's a great tune for these people. I think it's a great tune for these people to be involved. And it's most of this is, you know, the people who wrote with me on it were playing. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's it's an incredible lineup, and you can hear the virtuosity. Yeah, Scott Kinney, he, he wrote a lot and um, played key, key, keyboards, and he took out some solos that you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, even going back in your catalog a little bit, when I was listening to um, the title track of "Every Time We Say Goodbye," mm-hmm. I'm curious, who was the tenor player on that? You're called the tenor sax player on that because there's a moment on every uh, time we say goodbye is uh Joe uh Pepos- Ken Peposky. Oh, okay, great. There, yeah. Yeah, that make that makes sense, of course. I mean, um, there is something that uh, you don't hear much of these days, which is in my mind anyway, um, this just sort of beautiful, uh, beautiful attentiveness to individual tones and sounds. At the start of his solo, there's like about six bars where he just holds that one note I know, and lets the harmony shift underneath him. And he's just, just got this gorgeous phrase around a single note. And uh, again, it was a moment where I'm like the personnel uh, and the musicality coming from the personnel is, is really incredible. You, you've always been very choiceful in your sidemen, I take it. Well, that was a great record. That was the, I did that in New York and, and I had, I hadn't spent any time in New York. So that was, you know, some great, you know, a great moment. Yeah, I, I, I love it, and 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 uh, I love uh, the, I love the musicality that you're surrounding yourself uh, with. I should pause and mention to everybody listening uh, that the new album and, and a lot of other great music from Marilyn is available directly uh, from her at marilynscott.com, and you can also find it on Amazon and iTunes and pretty much everywhere else you buy, download, or stream your music. And um, before we we got on the show yesterday, Marilyn and I were chatting a little bit, and um, it, it's not easy to make a living in music these days. So I, I want to encourage people to buy the real deal. Yes, you can stream it, uh, but it t- can take as many as a thousand streams for a musician to earn a buck, literally. So if you like what you hear uh, and you want this music to thrive, consider buying the CD or digital download, um, and uh, and you'll be doing uh, all of us a favor. Um, so are all of the tunes on the landscape, Maryland originals, is this all you're writing? Yeah. Yes, it is. And it sounds like this is the first album that's all, that is all originals. Is that right? You've had originals peppered in before, but this is your first complete project like complete, this? Complete, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like your writing goes pretty far back. Do you recall the first time you tried to uh, put lyrics on a page? Well, the first thing that we uh, that I ever did was I wrote a song called The Light with Russell Ferranti. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty good first uh, collaborator. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, Where- before I didn't, I you know, I think I was too tired from playing in bands and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I. I always wanted to write, but I hadn't I hadn't done it yet. I hadn't struck it yet. Yeah. Were you were as a kid, were you prone to jot down, you know, poems or did you keep journals? Was that was that yeah, uh, that know, desire to sort of always bring the story out of you and onto the page? Was that a part of you early on? I don't know if it's true or not, but my my grandmother was a very very poetic person and she wrote a lot of poetry and um um and I was always loving that, and and she would talk about it, and um, so I could say that maybe I caught you know some of that from her. You know, it's interesting when you hear stories of how tunes are born and that sort of thing. Some people um, are extremely prolific. You know, they can get two or three wonderful compositions out in a day or two others labor over it over a long time tell me a little bit about your creative process what what does it take for you to get a song on paper well back back in the 80s i wrote for chapel uh and it was more of a pop type thing and it was excruciating it was terrible (laughs) and it was you know hard to be in that in that way where you have to come up with something even you know whatever and it, it was, was excruciating yeah, so, because it was creativity on demand. You had a deadline. Right. It was trite. It was stupid. It was, you know, and I'm sure it was me that you just couldn't get a grip on it. You know, maybe if I had that opportunity in the 90s, I would have been much better at it, you know. Yeah. But it came at a time where I I just I didn't do very well. I traveled around and wrote with writers in Nashville and New York and that, but. Nothing ever really came of it too much, but um, I I think writing to me is is so well. Recording is incredible. To make something a piece come to life, it doesn't matter if yeah. it's written by somebody else or a standard or your own. You know, it it to make that music come to life in a way that you feel it um, and and approach it differently. I think is really exciting. And when I did standard blue, that was trying to take some really incredible tunes and then standard tunes, and then just sort of pull the blues out of them, you know, and, <laughs> and then, and then, t- and approach it that way. Uh, I thought that was a cool idea. That well, way. I've got to interject because there's a great quote on your, in your, on your website from George Duke you said, and I think I'm paraphrasing here. Marilyn can can sing that jazz thing, but at the same time, she's got the blues. Uh, are, are are you intentional about bringing the blues into, into your music, or is that just what's going to happen when you open your mouth? Uh, I think that the, you know I've just been raised around a lot of it, and I just love it, and um, and I and I and I feel it. You know, black yeah. music has has taught me more about myself than than anybody in in my family or anyone could ever teach me. And I, I, I resonate with that and I have such appreciation for it. Um, Yeah. I, and I'm not, 
I just like to do it. You know, I just, yeah. it just comes that way. And I, that's my approach. Yeah. Who do you like to listen to these days? Are, are there uh, people that when you want to turn other musicians on to, you know, somebody hip, because uh, everyone's always like, Hey, have you checked out? So, and so you got to hear this. Who's on your list for that? You know, I, don't have anybody that's new and hip, I think. <laughs> uh, and um, let's let's just say that in this week, I've listened to uh, Brad Mildow and Chris Steely, that project, yeah. which yeah, is a, okay. an incredible project. Okay. Um, the Baylor project, the new, uh, the live recording, I think is just amazing. Uh I think that, uh, and the Yellow Jacks album uh, that they did um, with the big band, I think that that's really good too. Yeah. And I like Warren Zevon and I like, there's just so many, I, I do. And I think, not to plug anybody, but Serious Radio, the real jazz really gives me a lot of what I, I like to hear, and especially yeah. on Fridays, on Fusion Friday. So tune that's, into that. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, are, are you one of those kinds of people who surround yourself or are you just swimming in music all day, every day? Or do you need a little bit of quiet so that your music can can occupy that space? I do like a lot of music and I do play a lot. I play a lot of instrumental music. Um, you know, I, I can get off on just listening to Lyle Mays all day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know I mean, you there's some wonderful things um but i you know of course uh being silent is really great too when you're in your car and you've got a you're not going to get there for an hour sometimes turning off the radio is a good thing and i have found that when i'm good. on my way home from a gig the last thing i want to do is turn the radio on i, I just it's like i've had you know you wanna, I know and you want to live that for a while yeah exactly yeah, right. yeah what do you play i'm a drummer yeah is that right? Yeah. So I just put out an album uh, last year called The Drummer Loves Ballads. That's kind of my my world at the moment. Oh, well, I got to uh, get that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure I'll make sure, I'll make sure you do. Um, you know, you said something earlier that that reminded me of something in in session working on my project. You talked about, you know, wanting to do things differently as you were working on the standards and the, uh, album and that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, John Kushan, who's um uh drummer and road manager and husband of Alita Adams is a good friend of mine oh, and agreed yeah, to, yeah he agreed in years but I know who you're talking oh, about oh you know John that's wonderful yeah yeah he he's a fan of yours we were chatting about you recently and uh he produced my album and as we were going through the the, the tune selection process you know we were talking about how I wanted to approach each thing and his mantra was you know if you if you're going to do it like it's been done before what's the point uh, you know, right. what is it, what it was, what is it we're going to bring to it? And I, I feel that and I hear that in your music consistently across your catalog, each thing reflects a new take as I hear it. Yeah. And I put it in a different key. Don't put yeah. all the music in the same key. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Move around a little bit, try yeah. something different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I we're rapidly running out of time, but I just wanted to, to tell you how much I've been enjoying your music and uh, how much I appreciate the chance Thanks, to chat Jeff. with you. You know, as as you as you shared memories with us um, from some past experiences and people you've been interacting with, I think my last question would be: What memories do you still want to make? 
what what do you what do you dream about what what projects might be percolating i know we want people to go out and buy the landscape so maybe premature to talk about what's next but when, when you look down the road what what new memories await you you know it's always been a struggle to get you know um agents and um so we could play this music out and and so much of it has to me been left behind because i can't i don't have the opportunity and i i would want that i would want to be able to grab the guys that played some of this music and and affordably go out and play um play it and um that's what i would like to do it it's tough i mean i i definitely uh see that with my my peers and, and other folks that I talk to in sort of the, the, you know, the more rarefied um, world that you and others operate in just getting booked and being able to make it an affordable person, you know, uh, thing is, is incredibly challenging. I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure how much fans of jazz understand how <laughs> little money there is in making jazz. Um, you can't it, go anywhere without yeah. playing in town and, and um, and so, you know, it, it limits who, who hears your music and and and, uh, and the experience of, of seeing someone that you do like in a live setting. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. Well, it's really different. And we'll 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 make sure we don't devolve into a rant because we could spend another forty right. minutes on on right. that. But um, but uh, everybody, I hope you check out Marilyn Scott. Go to marylynscott.com. Uh, the new album is called The Landscape, available uh, on her website and on Amazon and everywhere else you buy your music. And I, I do hope you'll check it out. Marilyn, thank you for your time. It's been hey, a delight to get you. to know you. Yeah. I, really, uh, I really appreciate the time today, and I, I can't wait to hear your music. Oh, you're very kind. We'll make sure that you do. You well, it, you until then, we'll be listening to yours. Thank you, Marilyn. And we'll talk All right. soon. Peace for everybody. Bye-bye. This has been another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight, produced by easyjazz.fm.